Amen. Praise God. I know I do. Maybe I'm the only one that does, but sometimes I need a wake-up call. Amen, amen. Praise God. We can't depend on everybody else to do it for us. Amen. But when it's time to have church, it's up to each and every one of us to have church. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You can't walk out disappointed and say we didn't have good church tonight if you didn't put your whole heart into it. Amen. If you put everything you've had into it and you feel disappointed, well, that's different. But if you haven't put something into it, you'd have no business being disappointed. Amen. You get out of it what you put into it. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. If you want good church, come with the attitude you're going to have good church. Amen. And sometimes you say, well, it don't feel good to start with. Well, let me tell you something. Just dig in there and start pushing. It'll feel good after a while. Amen. I get tired of folks saying that they got to feel something before they can worship God. Let me tell you something. You worship God, you'll start feeling something. Hallelujah. But sometimes you got to dig down in the flesh and get into the spirit. Amen. We start in the flesh, but we're not going to end up there. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. I want to have good church. Amen. I don't want to waste one night, one morning, one afternoon, but I want to have good church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't believe that God cares what time of day it is that we meet together. All he's wanting us to do is put our heart into it and put our effort into it and put everything we've got into it, and he'll put what he's got into it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Amen, amen. We know what God can do. Amen. We've read in the book what God can do, and we've seen what God can do. And I'm telling you, he can do that every time we come into the house of God if we're willing to put that kind of effort into it. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Message number one. Hebrews chapter 9. Amen. Verse number 27. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews 9, verse 27. Do I say again what I, which I appreciate? Amen. The opportunity to be preaching right now. I appreciate it very much. Amen. Don't take it for granted. Amen. Someone told me one time that I should preach every message like it's the last one I ever preached. I can't say I've lived up to that. Amen. But I'm going to do my best tonight. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Hallelujah. My title tonight is by no means original to me, but it's what I'm feeling tonight. So for a little bit, I'm going to preach. You can tell hell I'm not coming. You can tell hell I'm not coming. Hallelujah. Can you lift your hands? Ask God to have his way in this place. Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, we need you right now, Jesus. God, have your way in this place tonight, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Praise God. There is absolutely one absolute in life. Amen. There's a lot of things that we call absolutes that aren't absolutes. But there is one absolute in life that it is appointed once unto man to die. Amen. None of us will live forever. Amen. There are the fabled stories of the fountain of youth, but it is a fable. It is nothing but a fairy tale. Praise God. I don't want to live forever in this life, in this earth. Amen. If God should tarry, I'm telling you what, I'm looking forward to a day when I can step on the other side. Hallelujah. I love living for God down here, but I'm telling you, it's nothing compared to what we're going to have up there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We, we can't live forever. Amen. I don't want to dwell on this too long, but amen. Some live longer than others, but all are headed towards that day where you're appointed to die. What we do in this short life of ours is going to determine our eternal destination. I believe with everything in me tonight that there is a literal heaven and there is a literal hell. There is no such thing as a purgatory. There is nowhere in between. It's either heaven or it's hell. It is an absolute tonight in the word of God. Hallelujah. I don't believe for a second, I believe the Bible teaches that hell was not prepared for humanity. Amen. It was prepared for the devil, those angels that fell with him. But hell hath enlarged itself because of the depravity of mankind. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says that no sin's going to enter there. So there had to be a place to go. And so there is that place that we call hell. Well, hallelujah. I don't expect shouting tonight. Hallelujah. But there's a story we read about in Luke, the 16th chapter and verse number 19. It says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Amen. He wore the best clothing that was available in his day. He fared sumptuously. He was never in want. He had everything uh, that he could want for. No doubt he had a place uh, in society well thought of. Uh, this was a man that most people would think uh, had everything. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. This is bad as the dead opposite of the rich man. This man has nothing. He's got no food. He's dressed, no doubt, in rags. He's got nothing. He just desires those crumbs. He desires the scraps from the rich man's table. He can't afford medical attention. He's covered in sores. Yeah, the dogs are licking his sores. It's the only relief he can find. It came to pass that the beggar died was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth 
Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I'm telling you, I have been so thirsty before. Hot day out working under the sun. Amen. The old saying said, I was dying of thirst. Praise God. The other day we was out and Trey needed a drink, he thought. And he told us he was about to die. <laughs> Need a drink of water. I'm about to die. <laughs> but you know what? I've never been thirsty enough. That somebody dipping their finger into water. Cool my tongue. But Abraham, he cried and said, Father Abraham, mercy on me. He dipped the tip of his finger in water, cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. There he was in a place of no hope. His fate was sealed. He could not go anywhere else. And all of a sudden, uh, his care turned, his, uh, his worry switched from himself uh, to realize he had five brothers uh, who were living just like he lived uh, and were headed to the same place uh, where he was. Lest they come into this place of Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto, them, unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. It is my personal belief that this is not a parable. In the parables, they never mentioned names. But he said there was a certain rich man. He said there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. He was telling a story. The rich man had everything he could want. The best of clothing, the best of food, the best the best living conditions, lived in comfort. He lived in a life of plenty. And Lazarus, of course, was that beggar that had nothing. He did not have knife's clothes. No doubt they were hand-me-downs, and they, they were ripped, and they were dirty. He no doubt was not a very clean individual. He didn't have food, didn't have health care. He had nothing, and this rich man supposedly had everything. And that is too often how we do things in this life. We look at these people with money and think that they have everything. And we sit here struggling. But I want to present to you tonight that this rich man really, when it came
came right down to it. He was the one that had nothing because when death came, all of a sudden they were on the equal footing. He couldn't take his possessions. He couldn't take his wealth. And Lazarus didn't take his poor. He didn't take his lack of food. He didn't take his lack of health. But somewhere in their lifetime, this poor, this poor beggar, he found a relationship with God. He found a desire to live for him and to love him and to give his life to him. Amen. The rich man, he had so much that he didn't need God. There's so many people today. One of the reasons I believe we struggle in this day and age for revival is that people have too much. They have life too easy. And all of a sudden they don't have to reach out to God. They don't seek him anymore because they think they can do it on their own. Hallelujah. Oh, help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know how many times I've heard it and seen it where somebody struggles along financially, always paying their tithes, paying their offering. All of a sudden, God begins to bless them. They begin to make good money. They have a hard time writing that tithes check. Then it got quiet and tight a little bit. I'm going to tell you something. No matter how much money you make, 10% of that is not yours. Hallelujah. 10% is not yours. It belongs to him. That is his portion. Hallelujah. I tell you what, it doesn't belong to us. If you take that, the Bible said you're a thief. You are robbing God. You're taking what does not belong to you. That tithe is his. It belongs to him. You give your offerings out of your own opinion. I don't know what the pastor teaches. What he teaches is right. But those offerings, I tell you, that's between you and God. That's what you give to him. That tithe is not what you're giving to him. That tithe that you're putting in the offering plate already belongs to him. If you want to give sacrificially, you've got to give beyond that. Amen, but we get to this place where everything's good and we don't have need of God. We've got the best of the doctors. We've got the best of food. We've got the best of clothing. We've got the best of shoes and everything's good in life. Let me tell you something. You can have everything good right now, but God can take it from you in a moment, and it'll all be over with. I'm telling you, you better not put your trust in the things of this world, in the things that the boss and rough stuff corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Hallelujah. I believe the story is a description of that. This rich man had everything and laid up treasures in this earth. There was a parable he told one time about a rich man whose barns weren't big enough. And he he had all this grace. I'm going to build bigger barns. God said, thou fool, this night will thy soul be required of thee. 
What are your bigger barns going to do for you now? I tell you, we've got to lay up treasures uh, where the moth and rust of the corrupt. Uh, we've got to lay it up in heaven. Oh, Lazarus in this life had nothing uh, but what he did have. He gave to God. Uh, and when they went on to the next life, uh, and there is a hereafter, uh, he found himself comforted while the rich man was tormented. He laid up treasure in the right place. Hallelujah. Amen. His concern turned to his, his brothers. Amen. He worried about his five brothers and where they were going to end up. Amen. And he wanted Lazarus to go to him. Obviously, these brothers knew Lazarus as that old beggar. Amen. That crawled up under their table to eat their scraps. Amen. But they didn't. He said, man, you send Lazarus back to him, and, and they'll repent. Abraham said, no. They're Moses and the prophets. They won't hear them. They won't even hear one if he rose from the dead. You see, this is what I'm preaching about tonight. I have to tell hell that I am not coming. I can't make your mind up for you. And you can't make mine up for me. This man, he said, hey, take Lazarus to him. It'll shock him into it. He said, huh, they've got some men of God who are preaching to them. And if they won't hear them, they won't even hear what rose from the dead. You should have been concerned about yourself instead of for your brothers. Let me tell you something. Yes, we ought to be praying for each other and praying for our children, our parents, our loved ones. But most of all, you better make sure that you are ready. You better make sure that you're ready, that you've made your calling and your election sure. Because tonight... We are in a fight, and it is a fight for your salvation. Hallelujah. I know a lot lately I have preached about spiritual warfare as a whole, but I want to talk to I want to narrow it down a little bit tonight. I want to tell you there's a battle for your soul. Hallelujah. There's a battle to take you down. Every one of us in this place. Amen. The devil would like nothing more than to drag us out of here. But I'm telling you, you better make up your mind that I am going to make it to heaven. I am not going to hell. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 12. He said, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He said, You've got to work out your own salvation.
I'll tell you something, as much as I would love to, I can't take my children with me to heaven based on my salvation. Children, you're not going to make it to heaven based on your parents' salvation. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to repent of your own sins. You've got to be buried in the waters of baptism to get those sins washed away. You have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You have to live a holy and separated life unto Him. Amen. Your parents can make you live a certain way till you're out of the house. But I'm telling you, you've got to make up your own mind that I'm going to live for God. I'm going to work out my salvation. I must be saved. If my parents walk away, I'm still going to do it. If my children walk away, I'm still going to live for him. I've got to work out my own salvation. Oh, I would love to make them live for God. But I know there's a day that they've got to make up their own mind. But you've got to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 3, very familiar story. I've read it a couple times over the last few weeks. But it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. 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 He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. I'm going to take a little detour right here and say something I wanted to say Sunday, but didn't because we had visitors. Do we really believe that it takes repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to step out real boldly right now and say if we really believe that, then we must believe that there are 132,000 plus people in this city that are lost. And every time that we get upset over a bill in a restaurant and chew somebody out, that's one more that's probably never stepping foot in here. Every time we blow up on somebody at work, that's one more. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, we can take years to build a witness and blow it in five minutes. Hallelujah. Do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? that we must be born again. Jesus went on to say that which is born of the flesh is flesh, 
That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. This scripture has been twisted for years. Amen. They forget the first of the chapter and try to pick, cherry pick one verse out of the middle of it. You still got to be born again. If you're going to believe in him, you're going to believe what he said. You're going to be born of the water and of the spirit. Hallelujah. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name, the only begotten Son of God. Has not believed in the name. Ooh. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. He told Nicodemus that he came to be lifted up. You must believe in him. And believing in him, we must be obedient to him. If we believe, we will not be condemned. But if we believe not, we are already condemned. Light came into the world, but man loved darkness. I'm telling you, we live in a day that is so full of darkness. Amen. So full of darkness. I'm telling you, my hackles rise up when these golf people walk by. Dyed black hair, their black clothes, their chains, and their makes my skin grow. Because men love darkness. Hallelujah. They love darkness. I talked to a man one time whose son was messed up in this stuff. And uh, he's always dressed in black and he was talking to me one time, he said, you know, he's really into the dark things. Likes to watch dark movies. Darkness. Loves darkness. The reason they love darkness is they think they can hide in the darkness. They can hide their evil deeds. But I'm telling you, you cannot hide from God. He has an all-seeing eye, and we hide nothing from him. We can, oh, we can walk in the house of God 
and think that everything's going to be okay and try to live a double life out there. Trying to hide things in the darkness and walk in and think that everything's going to be okay. I'm telling you, you might fool me. You ain't fooling him. You're not going to fool him. You can get wrapped up in the darkest things that you want to and think that you've got it hid. You ain't hiding it from nobody. Eventually, it's going to work its way out because light and darkness cannot mix. I'll tell you this. This is the day that we've got to get out of the darkness and into the light. Hallelujah. The BTK serial killer, Dennis Rader, lived just a few years, miles from here, a few hours. He fed his perverted sexual appetite for three decades with the lives of other human beings. Was considered by others that surrounded him to be just a normal guy. This normal guy, however, was able over a 30-year time period to keep hidden the heinous monster who dwelt within a placid exterior. He thought he fooled everybody. A forensic psychiatrist remarked concerning such men as Raider that a serial killer does not just wake up one morning and decide that killing someone would be a good idea. They don't just wake up with the idea. But sometimes a 10 to 20 year preface of fantasy in the mind takes place before it moves into reality. They don't just do it overnight. And I am going to step out today and say that people don't wake up one morning and decide that they're not going to live for God any longer. You're not on fire for God on Sunday night and Monday morning wake up and this decide, I'm going to backslide. You see, what happens is all of a sudden thoughts begin to be entertained. Something comes along that appeals to the flesh. And we begin to think about it and dwell upon it and uh, begins to work its way into our life uh, until eventually those thoughts become plans. Uh, and eventually that plan becomes action. And all of a sudden, somebody that we used to rub shoulders with, somebody we used to cry with, somebody we used to shout with, all of a sudden they're gone and we can't figure out what happened. Let me tell you something, it did not just happen overnight, but days and weeks and months, yeah, even years sometimes, those thoughts have worked in the mind until one day they put those actions and they made action out of a plan. Oh, I feel this so strong today. Amen. There's, I believe tonight, there's somebody sitting in this place and there's been thoughts running through your mind of walking out the door. I'm telling you, you better put them on the altar. You better find a place tonight where you can make it right. felt this so strong before church. Maybe it's just a little thought. Maybe it's just some friends somewhere. Or maybe it's something that looks fun. But I'm telling you, you let those thoughts stay in your mind. There'll be a day it takes you out. Yeah. 
because darkness will begin to work its way into your mind and into your heart and into your soul. And someday you'll find yourself on the outside looking in. The power of God will be moving and you're not feeling anything. Folks laid out on the floor sobbing and there you are laying beside them but you ain't feeling nothing. They're running the aisles. You've always ran with them, so you run with them. But you're not feeling anything. You're just going through the motions because there's thoughts that have taken over. There's this thing that's worked its way into your heart, into your mind, and it's trying to pull you out of the church. Tonight, whoever you are, you tell hell, I'm not coming. You almost had me. I'm going to tell hell, I'm not coming. I was almost going to go, but I'm going to change. I, I don't want to be out of the darkness. I don't want to be like the rich man. I'm going to tell hell, I'm not coming. I'm going to make up my mind tonight. Whatever I've got to lay on the altar, whatever I've got to give up, whatever I've got to lay down and walk away from, tonight I'm going to tell hell I'm not coming. Paul wrote to the Romans, and that knowing the time, Romans 13 and 11, that now, now, not next week, not next month, not next year, don't wait for a New Year's resolution, but now, that now, it is high time to awake out of sleep. devil would love nothing more for us to fall asleep, get lazy in our walk with God, to slumber and sleep. But Paul said it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Cast off the works of darkness. Cast them away. If it means throwing your smartphone away and getting a flip phone, do what you got to do. If it means shutting your internet off in your house, do what you got to do. If it means setting up some kind of accountability partner, I know that doesn't always work. I've talked to folks that said, man, you can get around those things. You can get around them blocks. I'm telling you, if you've got darkness in your heart, you can get around it. And if you have those kind of problems, you better remove the temptation. Move the ability out of your life. Cast off the works of darkness. Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. 
Whatever you've got to do, it's better to make it to heaven maimed than to be whole and burned in hell. If it means laying down the books I like to read, those fiction accounts that have impurity in them that I thought I could handle, but I'm finding out that I can't. Get it out of your house. Get it off your iPad. Get rid of it. Cast off the work of darkness. Well, I've got girls and they don't have those problems. Really? Really? After I left my home church, and my mother was still there, we were talking one day. She told me that they had a problem with their young girls, 12 and 13 years old. 12 and 13. How many girls we got that are 12 and 13? Well, hello. I don't mean to pick on them. 12 and 13 were having sleepovers, getting their laptops out and looking up pornography. 12 and 13-year-old girls. Darkness. I'm talking about darkness. Darkness. I don't care how old you are. You better make up your mind. I'm going to make it to heaven. Whatever I've got to do. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Folks, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. He told a parable about a, a man that went away. And left a servant in charge of his belongings, of his, uh, we'll say his farm, of his, of his vineyard. And, and he, he, he was there and he was taking care of it. And, and he talked about how blessed the man would be if the, if the owner came back and found that man working. But and if that servant should say, my Lord delayeth his coming. And began to eat and drink with the drunken. Begin to smite his fellow servant. He went on to say that, that that master would come back in an hour when the servant was not looking for him. Wasn't ready for him. Because he said, Lord, surely you delayed your coming. I wonder sometimes if we don't, in the back of our mind, really think that God is not going to return in our lifetime. Do we really believe that Jesus is coming soon? Or do we think the Lord will delay his coming? Joshua 24 and 15, a very familiar scripture, <clears throat> says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day, whom ye will serve, 
whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, I cannot make up your mind for you. But as for me, I've made up my mind. I, I'm going to serve the Lord. But it's your choice whom you're going to serve. Can I tell you the choice is still yours today? Your mom and your dad can't make your choice for you. Your son and your daughter can't make your choice. But we have to choose. Hallelujah. Frederick Douglass grew up as a slave in Maryland in the early 19th century. Experienced slavery's every brutality. It was taken from his mother when he was only an infant. For years as a child, all he had to eat was runny cornmeal dumped in a trough that kids fought to scoop out with oyster shells. He worked in the hot fields from before sunup until after sundown. He was whipped many times with a cowhide whip Blood ran down his back, kicked and beaten by his master until he almost died, attacked with a spike by a gang of whites. But even so, when Frederick considered trying to escape to freedom, he struggled with the decision. He writes in narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave. He had two great fears. The first was leaving behind his friends. He said, I had a number of warm-hearted friends in Baltimore, friends that I loved almost as I did my life. The thought of being separated from them forever was painful beyond expression. <clears throat> it is my opinion that thousands would escape from slavery, who now remain, obviously it's written many years ago, but for the strong cords of affection that bind them to their friends. His second fear was this, if I failed, in this attempt, my case would be a hopeless one. It would seal my fate as a slave forever. Today, there's many people that are bound up by things who find themselves with similar fears. They fear leaving behind their friends, their loved ones. I don't say what I'm going to say to lift myself up at all, but there came a point in my life when I had to make some decisions. And it meant walking away from a lot of friends. And I'm not talking about friends outside of the church. They were friends that were supposed to be in church. But I realized that when we got around them, it was a lot of carnality and not much spiritual substance. I realized that if I was really going to live a crucified life, that it meant giving up some of my friends. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Not at all. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Are you going to let your friends take you to hell? 
I've read the jokes. Boy, when we all get there, our gang gets there, it's just going to be a party 24-7. No, no, no. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be torment. It's going to be pain. And it's going to be suffering. And I believe that the worst suffering would be knowing that you knew what to do and didn't do it. Which, of course, leads us to that second problem he had where he was scared that if I fail, I'll always be what I am. If you read history, there was many a slave that desired so strongly to escape, but they were scared of failure. And so all they ever did was dream about escape. Let me tell you something. You can escape tonight from the darkness that is trying to take you out. You can escape from it tonight. You can escape from the bondage and the darkness and the things of this world that have got you weighed down even right now. You can't feel God like you want to feel him. You, you don't know what it is to touch him anymore because you're weighed down with the junk of this life. You walk in here and you try to put up an act, but you just can't feel it. don't want to be lost but, but man you got some good friends you know they don't always want to do everything right it's not real bad yeah I used to use that excuse before it's not real bad let me tell you something no matter how real bad it is it's the works of darkness it may start out small they start out small, but it never stays there. I wish I could have preached a shouting message tonight. One of the big drawbacks for me social networking seeing condition of some people's lives I was a youth leader for many years in my home church at one point in time we had 30 kids between the ages of 12 and 21 I think there's about 10 of them we're still living for God. They'll post pictures sometimes. I've, I've had to delete some because I just can't handle it. I thought about deleting all of them because I hate seeing it. I see these pictures and I, I see their posts. Brother, what I think about is the days that they were in an altar. I think about the times that I took that little wood podium and sat it down in front of that section of pews. They'd all sit in front of me. And I'd try to teach them 
of the Word of God. Think of the days that I do open question and answers with them, trying to help them. Think about the hours that we prayed together. And then I see where they are now. They had every opportunity. They were raised in the same church I was. I was 18 when I started being youth leader. I don't know what my pastor was thinking. Lord have mercy. 18. I was still one of them. 26. When I walked, went left to go evangelizing the first time. I've seen those kids speaking in tongues. And now, talking about alcohol. Posing with pictures written on them with a sharpie, calling them drunk tattoos. Somewhere they forgot to tell him, I'm not coming. None of them have died yet, and I still spend time praying for them. There's days that they'll come to mind and to pray. Pray God has mercy. Pray God has mercy. Young people, you gotta tell hell you're not coming. You gotta make up your mind. We're not in this. It's not a joke. It's not a game. We're not just playing church. I'm not preaching this to try to scare you. But if somehow I can get you to realize today that we're not in this and we're a game, we're not playing. But this is real. Six years old, yet I've already had people that I grew up with that are in the grave tonight. Don't think because you're young that your life is going to last forever. I'm telling you, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you need to cast off those thoughts that are working their way in your mind. us a few years back, a few months, 16 years old, in trouble at home, her family sent her to us, we tried, we left the, resigned the church where we were at, so she had to go back home. She seemed to be okay. In fact, her pastor even told me that saw him a year or so later and he said, man, she's doing better than she's ever done. I was like, 
the day. The day she turned 18. She was gone. Playing the game. Still playing the game. You see if those thoughts are left alone. There's going to be a day. There's going to be a day. When I'm old enough to walk out. It's going to be a day when I can go do what I want to do. At that point, we have no option but to pray the prayer of the prodigal son's father. That I believe, pray daily that God would bring his baby home. Bring him home. Bring him home. Young people today, adults today, if you stand with me, I, today's the day that you need to tell hell I'm not coming. Today's the day when you got to say, you know, if I never attain to wealth, if I never become famous, I'm just a poor beggar. But I'd rather have him than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. Jesus means so much to me. Will you tell hell tonight that I'm not coming? Will you make up your mind? If you need to repent, won't you find a place and repent? If you need to cry out for mercy, I tell you, his blood is still there. It's still available. Tell hell, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. I'm making my mind up today. I'm making my declaration today that I am going to live for him. I am going to serve the Lord. I'm going to cast off the works of darkness. I'm going to step into the light. This altar's open if you'd like to come and talk to the Lord. Oh, please don't put it off for another day. Don't wait for another day. Don't wait for another day.
Oh. 